previously on the Twistcast. Last time, we talked about San Diego Comic-Con and kind of took a look at what the futures of the MCU and the DCU and all this shit might look like, given what was announced at the con. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was a lot. And then Mainly also, Marvel. I was going to say, also subsequently, not a lot. Yeah. On the, on the DC and... Uh, but, but don't worry, we got that covered. We got a lot that I covered tonight, and I'm sure they're going to talk about that a lot come fandom, whenever, in a few weeks, whenever that is. Is there even going to be a fandom? Who knows at this point? Uh, we'll uh, get to that. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right. Uh, so, everyone, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Twist Cast. My name is Mike. And I'm Jesse. And we're still down, Sam. Yeah, he'll he'll be back at some point in the in the near future. We spoke to him recently, so. Uh, Maybe just for a brief check-in, but look at the hearing his lovely voice. Yeah. Uh, so if you're new to the show, we run this thing, we do some news up top, and then we talk about our topics. So here we go with the news, starting with comic books, as always. Planet Hulk will be getting a sequel as the Hulk returns to Sakaar from original writer Greg Pak and artist Manuel Garcia. I did uh, hear that it was getting a sequel. I never read the original. I just know it from whatever they covered in Ragnarok. Um, Dude, it's so good. Yeah, that's what I've heard. It's like one of the quintessential Hulk stories. I've just, I never found Hulk to be that interesting of a character, so I never bothered to read it, but it is something I should read. So I was kind of in the same boat when it dropped initially. I was like, is the Hulk really that interesting? But it was just like, oh, Barbarian Hulk. He's just like, he's just beating the shit out of everything. And it turned out to be just an, an incredible story. It's it's so rich it's probably one of the deepest Hulk story. I know it's not that difficult to find because big monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it that difficult to have a deep Hulk story. I mean, but it is, it is a very deep Hulk story. So um, it's, it, it actually, for, to me, triggered like a renaissance of storytelling with the Hulk as a central character, uh, which led to this, the most recent Al Ewing around, which was uh, absolutely delightful. And it's awesome to hear that it's the original writers from mm-hmm. the first one coming back to the sequel so you know correct, it's gonna probably be pretty good i feel like he understood the character a lot too so there's just a lot of emotion in it and it, it was just it was fun it was really fun pick it up if you have not already kal is back in metropolis and back with the justice league starting in november if you were not aware he's been off on Warworld fighting uh, mongol for like the last year ish while his son, John, took over the mantle of Superman on Earth, mm-hmm. which has been very fun. I'm curious how they're going to make that work because I love John and John is awesome. Um, a, a bisexual Superman is kind of cool and he's kind of a true this generation type of From what hero. I've heard, he's a very big fan favorite, kind of like how Miles was when he kind of took over Spider-Man. Like, people mm-hmm. love John as, like, the next incantation of Superman, so... You might actually do. give a damn. That's how I, good he I is. might give a damn. <laughs> we'll see, but I might. <laughs> uh, and finally here, John Stewart, the Emerald Knight number one, will be bridging the gap between the end of the Green Lantern series and the start of dark crisis if you've been reading dark crisis you know the just the um sorry if you've been reading dark crisis you know that the green lanterns have played a seem to be getting ready to play a big role anyway and there's just like question marks about where they fit into this whole thing because it ended with a cliffhanger that kind of left them in a situation where 
they weren't exactly ready to do the shit they're doing. So, you know, we'll see. I feel like if a title of a series ever has dark or brightest, it's always got something to do with lanterns. <laughs> Somehow, it's just going to involve them. All right. Now, moving on to Worlds of DC. Worlds. Worlds. Uh, so ordinarily I do this in a different kind of order, but I'm going to do it this way for this show because it's such a big piece of news. The Flash will be ending with an abbreviated season nine on the CW. Jesse. Thank God about <laughs> fucking time. Jesus Christ. I honestly, after I watched this last season, because I think we talked about it on the show at some point. Maybe. Or we were supposed to. We just didn't or something. I don't know. After I watched this last season, I was just like, I really don't know if I want to watch this anymore. Like, I love The Flash, but good lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, look, when it started, it was pretty good. Oh, you when know? it started, it was fantastic. Season one was amazing. And then it just kind of started to slow down and get, it's like, it's down, just too long. Slow down and slow, ironically, slow down. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> and uh, they just never really gave it the love it deserved tight story writing it was a lot of filler uh we'll eulogize it when it's done uh or bury it maybe a little both uh and we'll go from there but uh, as of right now you know it's just kind of tough yeah knowing that there is going to be a set end date now i might just power through the last like season and a half because i think season seven was last i watched of it so Mm. I haven't watched any of season eight. I haven't watched um, any of it. I figured once it eventually hits whatever it's going to land on, Netflix is usually where it goes, Netflix, but I think it's going yeah. to HBO now. I don't know. Who knows? Who oh, knows with all the news that we'll talk about? <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So we'll just so you, you are aware, dear listeners, we're going to talk more about a lot of the hectic nature of things that have happened with the DCEU overall. Uh, but we're I just wanted to cover some other stuff just in general that shit um, show needs its own little segment so we'll get to that in a second <laughs> it sure do sure do um so james gunn has has told us that peacemaker two uh, season two is safe and starts filming in 2023 and he said after that he's working on another dc project which pretty sweet i'm curious same what what do you think he could be working on what would you want him to be working on oh I mean, I don't even know, man. Like, people have been talking about a lot on Twitter about Secret Six, which would be cool. I, I mean, what other, like, super irreverent type of heroes are there that you'd want him to cancel? I mean, he could do something with, like, a Guy Gardner helmed project because that guy's kind of a douche yeah that would be up his alley he's in that space i was thinking if they want to make like an actual because this is dc and there's no continuity between tv and movies if they want to do like a doom patrol movie he Mm. would probably be a perfect choice for that i i think and i know you guys would probably pan it but the booster gold blue beetle team up would actually be find a way to be enjoyable. That would probably be the only way I could get somewhat excited for it is <laughs> if James Gunn's behind it, just because his track record's been amazing. And I know that he would just make the entire movie completely absurd. Yeah. 
That is legitimately the only way. In a good way. Not in a, not in a oh my God, I can't wait for this to end kind of way. Uh, well, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, Robert Pattinson and uh, Matt Reeves universe is still intact. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Zazie Beats is in talks to return at, to Whackin' Phoenix's Joker, Folly Adieu. Uh, that's the subtitle. Yeah, no. Uh, no, Joker I got that. Two. Yeah. Joker 2. Yeah, Folly Adieu. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I got that. I was trying to think like how Zazie Beats is supposed to return because I tried to remember where her character ended in the first So one. it was super vague. Yeah. Uh, it, like I thought, I was like, "Oh, she's dead." I like, thought she was, but we talked. I mean, it wasn't conclusive. No, but the way that that whole his whole thing broke, and, and she that was scene like, just kind of cut right there. Like, sure did. It's yeah. Like, yeah, she she's a hundred percent dead. Um, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Gal Gadot is returning as Wonder Woman for uh, upcoming DCEU films. Uh, not just one on one and three, and uh, Ben Alfleck has uh, reportedly replaced Michael Keaton in uh, in Aquaman two as Batman. Um, especially with you know, yeah. And I, from about. what I heard, like since Flash was supposed to come out before Aquaman, that was supposed to make more sense why Michael Keaton was there, but then because it got delayed and it didn't make sense anymore, and mm-hmm. so I, I guess it makes sense now. <laughs> Some sort of I don't nothing makes sense anymore. Mm-hmm. And then uh, tuck this la- last piece in your back pocket for later because we definitely talk talk about that shit. Uh, the Flash producer has assured DC fans that the film will still be released. Hang in there, y'all. We'll get Hang there. in there. <laughs> All right, now we're gonna move uh, for the time being into multiversal MCU and their TV stuff. On Saturday, September 10th, Marvel Studios will take uh, the stage for a showcase on the future of the MCU. So it's going to include theatrical releases, Disney Plus shows, um, and they're going to bring various talent and show exclusive footage and have some surprise guests. So I'm curious about what exactly is going to happen there, um, but something's going to happen. Uh, in case you were not aware, there is going to be an increase to Disney Plus pricing. Uh, if you keep it ad-free, it'll go from $7.99 to $10.99 US. Uh, I know we got some international listeners. Blah, 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 blah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but if you if you go ad-supported, it'll stay $7.99. Um, so maybe if. Maybe if Marvel didn't just put out so many subpar shows all the time, they wouldn't mm. have to increase the pricing for the stuff. Just saying, space it out, baby. Space it out. Uh, this was kind of exciting. Giancarlo Esposito has met with Marvel uh, about multiple characters um, and says that he wants to play Professor X, which would be interesting. Okay. But he's also talked about Magneto as well as a few others. I, say, I can see him more as a villain. I can kind of see him as a Doctor Doom. I, yep. Doctor Doom was mentioned. Doctor Doom was mentioned. Uh, but he said if he had a choice. Um, I I could see him more as Magneto than I can as an Xavier, but I could well, I could still see him as the Xavier. I could see him as Xavier because Xavier's kind of a dickbag. <laughs> like he just, yeah. he just does 
he does the wrong shit for the right reason sometimes uh and i feel like that that conflicted nature that self-assured assholeness like Jean-Claude Esposito does like he can better than I, anybody else i think my big problem to. is just that patrick stewart was just such an iconic pick for that role that mm-hmm. I, it, anyone is going to be a hard time to adjust to unfortunately he's like 80 something years old yeah so yeah i'm sure he would still love to do it but it, it's a lot yeah it's a lot so <laughs> it's, it's a lot the fact uh, we got him in doctor strange was yeah that, i'll take that that was fun yeah that was fun as hell uh okay uh moon knight season two may have been confirmed by oscar isaac when he and the uh the director were both spotted in cairo uh, and the girl on TikTok was like, hey, are you guys here doing stuff for Moon Knight 2? And the director was like, uh, I can't really see. And Asar Isaac and goes, why else would we be here? <laughs> He's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, why else would they be there? Yeah, I mean, basic logic. Um, I'm I'm just, I don't know, I was kind of heartbroken by, uh, go listen to that episode. I was kind of heartbroken. Uh, but I'm hoping so- that they... One, give us more Moon Knight. Two, make it darker. Like that's kind of what I want. That's it. I'm. Yeah. Anytime that you get like a second season like that, it gives them a chance to listen to the fan feedback a little bit more and to adjust their strategy a bit more. If enough fans have said the same thing, saying like the character just doesn't really represent what we would expect from the books, they might be willing to listen. I mean, it is still. Yes, Disney is more willing to do harder darker stuff but it is still disney in the end like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's gonna be a tough sell i got some ironheart news here for you Ooh. uh so uh anthony ramos who people may know from things like in the heights or hamilton uh got we got i know jesse you're <laughs> nope. just you're just you're just all up in there just you and musicals are oh yeah like, it's me and musicals you know best of friends or just wrapped up like a breakfast burrito. Just Look, love I'm it. I'm not that type of LGBT person. <laughs> how, how dare you, sir? Uh, <laughs> the arts are for everyone. Uh, <laughs> he we got first uh, on set look at him as he's playing. He seems to be playing the hood, Parker Robbins. Uh, I'm sure we will do a character breakdown around about the time Ironheart comes out, but. Oh, it looks sure. looks pretty sick. Looks pretty sick. Uh, also, uh, talking about Iron Heart, we have the first transgender non-binary actor, uh, Zoe uh, Tarakis. I think I should have looked up how to say her name. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, their name. I'm so sorry. Uh, in a supporting role um, in the show, so I'm curious to see what's up there. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be super fun. Diversity. Yay. Uh, and finally, in video games here, uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns was delayed a second time until later this fiscal year, not physical year. So, uh, you know, it could be early 2023 before we see the game. So everybody just hang in there. Yeah, everything, <laughs> everything is getting delayed. Yeah, COVID really fucked us. Yeah. Anyway, that's your news. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're the hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health evaluation of comic book characters. We also chat with some of your favorite creators. Al Ewing. Erica Schultz. Gail Simone. Philip Kennedy Johnson. Chris Claremont. About their work on comics. 
So check out all our episodes at capesonthecouch.com and follow us at Capes on the Couch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hashtag Because Comics. Hey everyone, this is Mike from the Twisted Cape. Do you like comics? I do. Cool thing about that is I have a weekly podcast that talks about comics. It's called Mike's Thick Stack. On that show, we talk about each of the comics that came out for that week. We also rate the thickness of my stack, and we sometimes have some pretty sweet interviews with some pretty cool guests. In addition, there's a bonus show where I talk about big classic stories, and I like to have guests on that show too, which is pretty rad. To check it out, if you're already subscribed to the Twistcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms, great news is it's already in your feed. Check that out and subscribe if you're not already. Stay twisted. All right, uh, so we are going to go ahead and hit you with a little character breakdown before we get into our look at uh, all that big DC news. Oh boy, uh, from this week. So we're going to talk about Doctor Fate, Jesse. Yes, take it away, Doctor Fate, who will be making his big screen debut at, in Black Adam later this year. So let's dive into who the hell Doctor Fate even is. So the title of Dr. Fate has been held by many individuals throughout the years, with the very first being Kent Nelson. Kent Nelson will also be the one that is portrayed in Black Adam as well. Uh, he is one of the earliest comic characters created, having been introduced in 1940. Dr. Fate is the physical embodiment of the ancient immortal being Naboo. His iconic golden helmet is known as the Helmet of Fate, which is the conduit through which Naboo can control his physical hosts. Fate spent a few years just putzing around, stopping evil deities and doing Naboo's bidding after receiving his helmet, as one does. Eventually, World War II broke out and Fate helped co-found the Justice Society of America. Fate is deeply entrenched in the magical realm. He has a vast array of abilities, including astral projection, clairvoyance, telepathy, electrokinesis, and dimensional travel, just to name a few. Uh, these powers are all accessible to Fate so long as he's actively wearing the helmet. Additionally, the helmet deprives the wearer of emotions, making them immune to any emotional manipulation abilities such as those from Psycho Pirate. Without the helmet, without the helmet, Fate still has access to abilities such as immortality and minor telekinesis, but this also kind of tends to vary between incarnations of Fate, who's actually wearing the helmet. Being one of the earliest comic book characters debuting in the Golden Age, Fate has a long and storied history with many different versions of the character still out there. If you want a quick dive into Kent Nelson, check out Immortal Dr. Fate from 1985, which was a reprint collection of his classic adventures. If you pick up any JSA title, you're also likely to run into Fate. He was a leading member in the JSA series that ran from 1996 to 2006, good 10-year run. You can also check out War in Hell from 2008 about, surprisingly, a war between the commanding forces in Hell which in which Fate gets entangled. These days, Fate is hosted by a human named Khalid Nassour, who is an Egyptian-American medical student who is entrenched with the Justice League Dark. Jesse, I gotta ask, mm -hmm. don't say electrokinesis, which one of Fate's powers would you, uh, would you enjoy the most? I mean... It would be electrokinesis, but um, <laughs> probably dimensional travel could be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Just like popping between dimensions and just quickly just pop into the fourth dimension. Because going to the fourth dimension, time travel, boom, done. <laughs> like, uh, there's a lot of fun shit you could do there. Mm -hmm. Projection could be fun. Clairvoyance, never hurt myself again. That'd be nice. Yeah. Bit of a klutz, so that would be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. The stories about your knees are. 
heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, that's Dr. Fate. If you want more, like we said, check out uh, all those stories. Maybe if you have DC Universe Infinite, uh, obviously hit that up, but definitely hit up your local comic store for that. Dr. Face is such an intense and deep character. Yeah, he's got such a storied history that he is definitely one that you could get lost in very easily. Just writing up that breakdown for this, like, oh my God, the background on this character is so, oh God. There's so much going on. Did I ever ask what you thought about Pierce Brosnan being cast as Dr. Fate? I don't know if we've talked about that specifically. I don't know if we've really talked about it, but I also, I hate to really judge castings until I see what they've done. Yeah. Because like, and I just don't really know Pierce Brosnan that well. Like, I think I've seen one of the Bond movies and that he was in, and that's probably about it. <laughs> um, so like, I'm, I think he will, is an interesting choice for the casting, and I think he should do a pretty decent job. But I'm waiting to see the actual movie to see how he does. I think a lot's riding on that movie anyway. Yeah. Just yeah. in general. Yeah. <laughs> Between that and Shazam, I think a lot's riding on a lot of things, which is a nice segue into our next section. So I called this section, what the actual fuck DCEU, uh, instead of saying DC fucks up again, which I could have done, but this the, is just, this deserves a different way of saying it. <laughs> I mean, because. all right. So the reason behind all this stuff is that Warner Brothers merged with Discovery. So they're consolidating a lot of projects, a lot of their streaming service streaming services will probably merge um i gotta tell you just on on as a side note on the sly there's not a goddamn thing on discovery plus that i want to watch it is nothing well let me tell you reality tv i forgot the thing even existed (laughs) i don't pay for it so it's fine fine i'm good but it's gross like I was like, I was like, oh, I wonder what's on there, and it's just like reality TV for like ninety-seven lines, and then it was like maybe something that's half scripted, and then more reality. I was like, I can't. I, I just, I'm sorry, you guys, I can't. I would sooner sign up for Paramount Plus than I would Facts. Uh, Discovery Plus, and I don't want to get Paramount Plus. And what's all these services having lazy names? Is just Plus, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, Discovery Plus, like Disney Plus is first. Yeah, so I'm like, just saying just, the other just, one should get something a little more creative. Like you have yeah. HBO Max. Like, come on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. a little creative. I don't care how dumb it sounds; just something different. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we digress. This thing has already gone straight off the rails. Oh, it always does. We're talking, of course, that's what we do best. So we are talking specifically about the items that have come as a result of the Warner Brothers Discovery merger. Yes. So Starting the, with the, the fact that Batgirl, the feature film adaptation of the DC Comics character, has been killed. Yes, despite was... being completed, despite costing the studio $90 million, they will never show this film anywhere. anywhere. So I, I don't know if it was fully completed, but it was pretty close to being done. It was done. It was completely done. I I'd heard that it was like 90% of the way done. They, they'd shown it to audiences. Okay. 90% is done to me. Like, what are you changing at 90%? That's editing. That's Man, editing that's... and scoring. Like, <laughs> that's... That's fair. So that was the first thing to start off this whole shit show. But yeah, like this movie, I mean, granted, 
from what I had heard from test audiences, the movie wasn't great. People just... I, see, I've heard the opposite. I've heard it was very good. No, I like the few blurbs that I had caught here and there were basically that people were saying it was like a bad episode of television. Huh. Interesting. So I it could have been different audiences, obviously, and yeah. different people saying different things. And but yeah, different cuts. Yeah, it, it could. You know, you never you never know. Um, so either way, this movie should have been passable by DC standards. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting and even more confusing, Jesse, I'm watching your face for this one, is that Leslie Grace may return as Batgirl for future pro- projects. I did hear that. And I was just <laughs> like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> just just what? And then I, I don't understand where this movie was supposed to sit in the whole continuity anyway, because it had J.K. Simmons Gordon in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, but I thought we weren't having a connected universe anymore moving forward, but this is now connected to the Justice League universe, which also has Shazam in there and Black mm-hmm. Adam, but that's not connected anymore to anything. And what is going on? I don't think I don't think anybody knows what the fuck is up, which we'll touch on. And I'm sure in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to kind of talk, run through some project stuff here. Yes. So uh DC's Strange Adventures, which was going to be an anthology series uh, set on, uh, focused rather on uh, Adam Strange, uh, has officially been canceled at HBO Max. Didn't even know that was happening. So cool. I mean, it could have been cool, man. It should have been cool. Like it gave you an opportunity to do something wildly different than what you've done before. Um, So Lady Gaga is officially starring in uh, Joker 2 with Joaquin Phoenix set to release in October of 2024 again I have to ask why just why is it not, a musical like what do we like, not why to Gaga being cast in there no no why does this movie exist to begin with <laughs> and then in the form that it is like why is it a musical like you have they actually confirmed that it's a musical or is that a yes. rumor no okay. that is confirmed it is an actual musical so what why you told the story that you wanted to tell in the first one you gave it a nice clean ending it didn't need a sequel and then the sequel is going to just going to take away from the original you walk away you just you just walk away i think i honestly thought that that might have been one of the projects that they shelved after this merger same i felt like i feel like this new management is basically just trying to like level set things and declutter things and i thought that would have been one of the things that they would have been like no no, no, we don't need that we we can stop that now yeah you'd think but nope looks like things aren't changing much no they're really not uh especially with walter hamada remaining at dc films like you're just leaving the guy who's just thrown every possible like look last episode we rightfully ripped marvel quite a bit for the rushed nature of phases four through six. But I cannot, I cannot in, in good faith look at Marvel having a plan and, and then look at this dude over at DC and go, why are you ruining the properties that are so good, that have potential to be so good? And especially with all the allegations and stuff like that, that he was at is not at the center of, but just outside of the center of like, uh, God, mm-hmm. no, 
Don't want you. Don't want you. Don't need you. And here's the thing about all of this mess is that there are so many different contradicting stories out there. Cause I had heard that Hamada was out and that they were replacing him. So mm-hmm. like there are so many, there's so much uncertainty right now as to what's actually happening. And no one knows what's actually true at this point. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's bad management. Honestly, top to bottom, it's just terrible management. Uh, Sasha Kelly's uh, Supergirl is is possibly in trouble after the Batgirl cancellation. Um, I mean, we just had the opportunity for such different characters, different takes on the characters, different races of the characters, which makes a difference for people. I know some people don't want to hear that, but it like fucking means something. Um, and just killing these projects. Um, I'm honestly surprised. Surprised Blue Beetle isn't one of the ones they decided to cut. Even I know the movie's finished too. Yeah, it, it just I, I don't get it. Uh, so remember that story about the Flash? I told you all to tuck into your back pocket for later. Mm-hmm. Well, Ezra Miller got felony burglary charges in Vermont, leading to DC yep. to debate canceling the movie outright. So to be clear, they haven't officially canceled it yet. But it is on the table at this point. Yeah. They were like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. We're fine. Everything is fine. And then Ezra gone Ezra. (laughs) And then they were just like, well, maybe it's not fine. (laughs) Like, uh, Ezra keeps getting into trouble. So maybe we just after all the shit in hawaii you would think that they would have learned to be on their good behavior at this point there was a minor involved in some of that yeah it's just like and now felony burglary charges that's how bad does burglary have to get to make it felony like i I don't know and i don't want to know like what did you do like don't tell me but what did you do (laughs) where did you break into what are you why are you doing this Clearly, they need some help. They they just um like they're 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 in uh not not to be punny with DC, but they're in crisis. Like and they and they really need something. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe this leads to them getting some help. But maybe, hopefully, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, there was there was the blurb that Titans and Doom Patrol are expected to be canceled. Titans, I can understand. I know people yeah. don't don't love it. I've honestly, I'm, I'm pretty lukewarm last, on it. Yeah, give this last season a wrap up, go out on its terms, maybe a little bit. But Doom Patrol, come on, motherfuckers! Like, it is it is an enjoyable show from from top to bottom. It gives you so many what the fuck vibes, and they're they're good ones, and many actual what the fucks, courtesy of Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Yes, so so delightful. Oh, and that's uh, another thing about the Batgirl movie. Yeah, after it got canceled, so many like uh, on the set videos and like scenes from the movie started just getting leaked everywhere. Because there was like, okay, well, if you're not gonna let us release the movie, then here have all this stuff. And like, there was one about uh, how Brendan Fraser was like uh, doing a stunt with like flamethrowers and everything in his Firefly costume and everything like that. And like, some of this stuff was pretty cool to see. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Uh, and the the final piece that I have here um, before I talk about something else um, was that the Batman 2 is reportedly not yet greenlit. Yeah, that was another thing. Which I thought it was. I mean, they, they're they saying it's safe, 
but it hasn't been greenlit yet. Like, yo, what the actual fuck are you doing? I thought right after it released, they greenlit it and they saw how well it did. I thought it immediately got greenlit. Yeah. And that's like a damn near three hour movie. Yeah. Like you, you just you just dive back in. They they have like you know that it's safe, but why wouldn't you just green light it immediately? I, I yeah. don't know. Like I, I, I don't I don't know. (laughs) All right. uh, Last thing I had was that they are looking for somebody to helm uh, everything at DC like they do at Marvel. So it was just like they're looking for their their Kevin Feige. Apparently they're looking for they already have a rough idea of what they want as a 10 year plan. What that means, what that involves. No one knows at this point. How much are they going to reset? Are they starting from scratch? No one knows. So I guess at this point, what is the best move for them? Is it a total reset? Or do we keep bits and pieces? Do we reshoot a Flashpoint movie and just do a reset with what we want to keep at that point sort of thing? See, Flashpoint gave you such an opportunity. And I mean, it's getting fucked. It it gave you such an opportunity to just go, okay, we're going to start over. Every single project that we have will fall in line with this this new world, this mm-hmm. you know new fifty two, if you will, and just run it from there. Like you've done such a good job with your animated universe, it shows me that you have the ability somewhere in your organization to to scope out like a full full universe, a plan. Like I might not love everything that you do, hush, uh, but you, there, there's, there's, there's at least a plan. There's something in place. Like the DCAU is incredible. What they've done over the years, the DCEU is a nightmare. It is. Like I just, I don't understand. Like they said they had a plan from the start, and then I think all that stuff that happened around Justice League basically derailed that entire thing Mm -hmm. and once justice league went to shit that's when they just they started just like running around screaming not knowing what they were doing anymore and they just never recovered i think they were just trying to catch marvel like i think that was the most important thing for them they were just like oh just throw it out just throw it out doesn't matter what it is so we get suicide squad back in 2016 which was ass we get the dumbed down version of of justice league which it was ass both behind the scenes and on camera. Um, you know, we just got just a bunch of just trash. And then when things finally start to find a place where, okay, it's actually getting fun again, get Shazam. We get first wonder woman. We get um, the suicide squad. We get birds of prey, which people dunk on, but birds of prey was fun was for me. Fun. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, and it's just like you, you have, the make you have the ingredients of of a halfway decent universe. The Batman, phenomenal. It's great. Sure, it wasn't the Batman you started with, but fuck it. Put Batons, put Battinson in there. He's exactly. your Batman now. Cool. They've, they've even talked about having Henry Cavill come back as Superman. Like, yeah. Take the best bits of these last 10, 15 years that you fucked up and just start from scratch with them. It just and the thing, the most important thing to me is like keep the fans involved along the way. Because if you, if you get the fans buy-in, you can do literally whatever you want. 
Like you, you just have it and you're ready to go. But uh, that was what the actual fuck DCEU. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to just ruin everything all the time for us hopefully, yet again. Yeah. Hopefully we do get a fandom this year, which is normally, I always forget, is that August or October? October. October. So hopefully they, if we do get a fandom this year, they figure a lot of the shit out before them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is already mid-August, so I doubt that that's going to happen. And I don't think they've done any promotional stuff for fandom yet, so I don't even no. know if fandom's happening at this point. But like, I, I'm, I'm just hoping that within the next few months, they figure out a plan of what they want to do. I can't lie to you. I'm low-key worried about comics at DC with this yeah. merger. I, I don't think I don't think it's going to completely go away, but I feel like we're going to get like forty Batman titles a month, and probably uh, it's, it's it's going to be worse. The, the diversity is going to be worse than it is now, and it's not going to be as fun to read. I'm I'm just I have very real concerns, and all this pains me because Marvel's great. I prefer DC, so it's just it's like see all this shit happening with DC, and like I love these characters. And you're just breaking my heart. <laughs> the the hard the hardest part is I feel like the world isn't good without both. For me, honestly, this show <laughs> relies relies on both, and, and that says nothing about Mike Stick Stack because that's all I cover. Because uh, that's all I read right now because comics be expensive. But it's just you know it's it's depressing to watch. Let's just go down this go down this path. Anyway, uh, we're gonna move from the DCEU to the DCAU now, where we're gonna talk about Young Justice Phantoms, season four of the Young Justice franchise. Yep. 26 episodes. Uh, I could not get a decent synopsis. Uh, so I'm going to skip it because it's it's a lot. That's fine. There's a lot of different things that happen. A single synopsis I don't think can capture everything that's no. happened. I, I I agree. So what I want to do with this is talk about it in kind of blocks the way the episodes were. Yes. Um. So the first block was on Mars. So Superboy and Miss Martian are going to get married, and um, Beast Boy is with them. Is that's mcgann's brother because reasons uh <laughs> watch season one yeah um and it's cool it's cool they're they're great um and then things start to go wrong um actually let me back up jess what did you think about the season overall like compared to season three i preferred it over season three i was actually surprised with how much it actually held my attention um <laughs> which is saying something <laughs> yes it really is um what I really liked, and this is kind of a thing I'm a sucker for when it comes to any sort storytelling, is that there was a lot of parallel stories that were happening mm-hmm. that didn't really make sense until you got to a certain point, and then it mm-hmm. all just like came together, and you were just like, "Oh, I yeah. think that type of storytelling is the coolest shit." Like I'm watching season four of Westworld right now. Oh, I got yeah. about four episodes in. I was just like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> season or episode five hits. I'm like, "Oh my god, it all makes sense." <laughs> it, my, favorite thing when that happens so i was actually i really liked how they did that storytelling with this season not to say i was in love with the season just because there were some things to let irked me here and there but overall i did enjoy it okay 
Uh, I I actually love the season compared to season three. Season three kind of let me down a little bit. Uh, I hyped that show up in season three, and I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be so good. It's gonna come, so, gonna come together so well." And it just it didn't. never <laughs> fucking did. And I was livid as a result. But this this season uh, did it for me. I think this is probably the best season uh, overall. Right off the bat, the one thing I wish that they had had was a recap because <laughs> I went into episode one. I was just like, "What the fuck? Who are you? What was happening? What?" <laughs> Uh, yeah, so okay, so back on Mars, uh, Superboy and uh, Ms. Martian are going to get married. They're going with a bunch of Martian customs and then uncover a mystery, and shit gets weird. And you're just like, what is going on? They're being followed. There's, there's Martian racism, which they are not shy about calling out in any uncertain terms. Uh, I, I even believe that Superboy remarks, like, oh, I thought, I thought humans had the had the uh, cornered the market on racism or something like that yeah oh well yeah it's disappointing i will say that i think that first chunk of story was probably was that my least favorite one i think the i was very hesitant with the first part of the season just because i think part that first chunk and the second chunk were like my least favorite they were like the most boring oh i know i know why i know you liked it after that yeah (laughs) we'll get there we'll get there (laughs) that's where things are ramping up for me but yeah i don't know that first section on mars i was kind of bored through most of it because it's very slow compared to the rest of the season it is but it sets up everything it does looking back on it now it is the like the jumping off point for everything that happens afterward but it is a little bit slow for the first like episode or two yeah so they they solve a mystery of the the murder of i guess is a king yeah i think he was basically a king of mars i don't think i was paying enough attention to mars mars yeah that was another thing that bothered me like why is everything like two syllables but whatever i mean it should be john jones but it's john john jones so it's like jones yeah uh whatever man it's they're aliens i you just kind of have to accept that sure um so as that happens, there's there's a bomb that's planted and Superboy seemingly dies and it, it wrecks McGann and Gar uh, for the majority of the rest of the season. They're they are not they're shells of themselves. Ms. Martian is angry a lot and uh, is not hesitant about her power and stuff like that. So uh, that that. So that first that first section is great because you get to see the love between Connor and McGann, and that's cool. And then the devastation because, like, you really think he's dead for a good chunk there. You're like, why would you, why would you kill him? But you killed him. I never believed that, honestly. Which spoilers? And, yeah. <laughs> uh, spoiler warning: If you're not new to the show, we don't hold back. No, of course not. Uh, I never believed that he was dead. And when they finally were like, oh, look, he's alive. I'm like, okay, I, I, I kind of assumed that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then we move into um, a part of the show with Tigress. And you get some background between Artemis and Cheshire 
and you get involved in their lives and stuff like that and a lot of stuff with their upbringing and stuff like that you you get the league of shadows you get your first look at damien uh as a baby who's kind of yeah fucking adorable. <laughs> I, looking back on it that's i don't know i just did not get into that section at all that was another one to me that was that. like it had a lot of action in it but to me it was just it was a section i was able to just easily tune out like i watched i think the first half of the season while i was working <laughs> um, so like <laughs> i i had it on in the background while i was doing other stuff and that could have been part of the reason why i just wasn't fully paying attention but at the same time i I understood exactly what was happening, even though I was only half paying attention, mm-hmm. which to me doesn't really sound like a very engaging show to watch. No, uh, I feel like that was slower, but I think that was also more directed at character development Yeah, because it was talking a lot about Artemis dealing with loss and pain. There's a lot of mental health themes through this part um, and, and learning how to help help yourself and those around you. Uh, lots of that in there. And then things kicked up a little bit when we yes. started to focus on Zatanna, uh, which is probably why Jesse was so happy. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not just Zatanna, but magicians, uh, Dr. Fate. Uh, there's, there's a whole lot going on. If you are unaware, in previous seasons, Zatara, Zatanna's dad, has taken over as Dr. Fate. Mm-hmm. And she basically schemes her way into getting people to share the burden of being Dr. Fate, but not without battling. Um, oh, God, I never remember his Clarion. name. Clarion. Thank you. The, the Lords of Chaos in general. But... Yes. Uh, so they battle Clarion. And there you get your first hints that Superboy is actually alive and off world. Uh, it looks like the Phantom Zone, which, spoiler warning, it is. That was like, I don't know why, but after uh, seeing him for the first time in there, I'm like, is this just the Phantom Zone? <laughs> and I was just like, please tell me this isn't just the Phantom Zone. Please tell me this is something more complicated than that. I was just like, what? how is he there? Like, I didn't understand. Uh, and then, like, like, I was thinking about it. and was like, oh, there was a device placed on top of the bomb that exploded, but then that got explained away as something else. So I was like, okay, well, I'm sure it'll make sense at some point. Zatanna is an absolute badass in every way possible. She basically muscles around a Lord of order and says, Mm -hmm. bitch, you're going to do what I want. And he basically goes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then just the same thing with the Lord of chaos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think the, the brilliant thing that she did with, uh, Nabu is that she just appealed to his absolute logic. He's like, yeah, you have four hosts and every time you get one that host is fresh. So you're not just running out a single body the entire time. Like you need to be immortal. You need to, you have responsibilities to this world, especially magical ones. And magic as we all know comes with a cost. Mm-hmm. So you just work around that. And uh, Nabu was just like, damn, girl, you got a that good point. M- that makes sense. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, but We're selfishly, moving past, moving past the ethical concerns of getting her students involved in this unwillingly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's 
so Mary Marvel's one of them who has sworn off using the powers of Shazam. Uh, tuck that away. They'll show up again later. Uh, and then uh, we we get Khalid uh, mm-hmm. here in uh, in this season as well. So he we get his Doctor Fate. I'm actually a little sad that we don't get his character design from the comics because he's he's like a youth, <laughs> like it's baggier clothes, sweatpants instead of like the pants. It's like sneakers. I don't think I've ever seen this. It, it's it's such a cool design uh it's a cool take on such a classic design um and it makes sense you know he's he's a young kid not kid but like you know early 20s medical student and it makes sense because you've grown up in a world where oh things are more practical for you 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 prefer a little bit of style but you still keep a lot of that dr fate theme that that big billowy cape uh the the blue and the yellow it looks more like a Middle Eastern garb, which makes yeah. sense given who the character is. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I, I, I like it. Maybe we'll get it in season five. Five. Yeah. If it's Assuming we get a season five. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I thought I thought the Zatanna block was was strong. It started to bring things together. Um, you got you got more with with uh, Dick and Calder in there. Um those are two characters that I care about a lot and I wanted to see a lot of uh, in the show. Um, so we, we got to move on a little bit from there. So after that, you get a brief episode uh, centered on Halo. And I felt like this episode kind of did a lot for this character. I, I know they didn't focus on, on them a lot. I want to make sure I get that correctly here um, because it through through discussion and that starts in like the end of an episode and then carries over uh violet decides that they don't feel like a he or she settles on them which actually makes perfect sense because they're basically a mother box reanimated corpse thing it's it's comic-y it's very comic booky um (laughs) gets a little weird a little uh, bit but they also discover faith which is interesting uh, because it was important to gabrielle which violet recognizes and attempts to i don't know, just re pull back into their life a little bit to try and just see what it's about yeah no, i actually think that might have been one of my more favorite episodes and it was an episode where like the main story was her talking with or them talking with whatever her name was like gabrielle's mom yeah is that who that was okay yeah um and then there was an interspersed like b story in there i don't couldn't tell you what that was anymore it's probably um, folks on beast boy who's probably. like taking pills and like having problems sleeping and like yeah, breaking up probably. with his girlfriend and shit um but i like that a story more like yeah. that was a more engaging story to me like i was more looking forward to going cutting back to that and seeing how that conversation was going and where that was going and how things were developing with this character and i actually really like that episode i thought it was a very good way to handle a discussion like that and to just show a character discovering that different part of themselves and trying to make sense of who they are and on the like 
on the lower parts of that story, you have Violet dealing with how they feel about Brion and dealing with all that shit because he was kind of an asshole. And then finally accepting that they were kind of into Harper Rowe, uh, a, a girl who has kind of been into into Violet a little bit. Um, and they start dating as a result. And it's, it's really cool. It's just like a really cool self-discovery story. I thought that was it was cool. And it didn't touch any of the rest of the larger stuff at no. play. But it, it it made sense. It made like a lot of sense. It was a very organic way of telling that story. Like it yeah. felt natural. I agree. I agree. I'm curious how you feel about this next block, the block in Atlantis. We got a lot of that stuff with with Calder and um, yes, uh, Orm being basically ending up being basically body swapped yes. into Vandal Savage's grandson who had an immortal body before he got before like so vandal savage ends up being the reason that atlantis was sunk into the sea but it it activated the genes that allowed atlanteans to be atlanteans underwater yeah again very convoluted very convoluted i lost track of that one (laughs) uh but there's like a crown that calder goes off to find because they want to claim the one true king except the the guy that it's supposed to be whose name is arian there that's what it was yes arian Arian. uh the people are like in love with arian like oh my god he he saved us he's super important um and ocean master is is there and he gets furious and locked away we found out that ocean master is just a clone of ocean master Mm -hmm. and that Ocean Master is Arian moved into Arian and he's trying to take over like like bro you're thirsty for Atlantis like maybe find something else (laughs) like literally anything else Uh, and when he puts on this this uh, crown that Calder finds in like I guess the undersea essentially yeah basically uh, he dies like immediately (laughs) they're just like well well uh, that's the end of Ocean Master (laughs) (laughs) so the benefit of watching this while I was working and having it on the background while it's working is that I was paying at least halfway attention through the entire season, except for the string of episodes. <laughs> I watched these right after I'd finished working <laughs> and they were not interesting enough to prevent me from falling asleep. <laughs> okay, I did fair. fall asleep through at least part of one of the episodes. I woke up from like, I'm pretty sure I missed some stuff, but I'm just going to roll with it here. <laughs> so yeah I, I felt like the, the the stuff with atlantis was weird um there, there i mean there's just weird stuff going on like obviously we know calder's gay and and that has you know it, his story throughout this little block is all about self-care um because he's dealing with the fact that he's now lost another friend but he's deciding to put that and the justice league and the team and Atlantis all on his shoulders and just be a a man of duty, except it's coming at great personal costs, especially his mental health. And at the end of this block, he's like, you know what? I'm going to step away for a little bit. I'm going to get myself right. And we'll go from there. 
which I thought was big for a character who throughout these four seasons has done nothing but serve other people and shoulder hard decisions. Yeah. The only thing I really remember from that block is like the very end where Aquaman, the old Aquaman, comes back to become Aquaman again. And he's just like, are you sure that the Justice League is going to have a problem with this? And he's just like, well, they got four Green Lanterns and three Flashes. I think they could handle two Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. All right. Uh, we get closer to, to the end of the season here where we hit new Genesis. Uh, I'm assuming that this is Jesse's least favorite block. Oh, my God. I texted you the second week I got there. Oh, my God. Okay. So for a little bit of context, my least favorite character is the, the entire show is that fucking bug forager. Fred Bug with I these? hate him with a burning fucking passion. <laughs> and then the writers of the show had the fucking audacity <laughs> to introduce a second one. <laughs> So they had a conversation simultaneously just saying the word forager over and over again. They were both named forager. Wow. I Jesse, I imagine Jesse was in literal hell. It was so he sends me a text message at 8 a.m. and it's in all caps screaming about forager. And I am cracking the hell up. I'm on vacation. I was having a great time and I was laughing. There were tears streaming down my eyes. I had to read the message to my wife because like, she doesn't understand, but it was so funny to me that I was like, I have to read it to somebody. No, I, I will find this message real quickly and read it to you because, oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> so while you do that, so, uh, okay. the exact message is, what fresh hell is this? It was bad enough having to listen to one of these fucking bugs in this show, and now there's two? Who thought this was a good idea? Because I want to fucking punch them. <laughs> and if I hear the word forager one more fucking time, I'm going to fucking lose it. <laughs> I hate this character so much. And that's who this entire section focused on. And then it ended with the second forager becoming a fucking Green Lantern on top of it. I saw that and was like, are you fucking kidding me? I have to deal with this fucking shit even more now. Uh, <laughs> Screw it, New Genesis. It is a true joy for me uh, because I knew this was going to make him nuts. Um <laughs> Uh, I was just so, yelling so much just now the dog had to come over to make sure I was okay <laughs> there there was actual story that happened on New Genesis uh, that was kind of important to the plot but I can't lie to you that was my favorite part uh, even I was like alright I've had it with Forager like that's that's I didn't need a second Forager and it's just it's, it's too much but like that text made it all worth it those texts made it worth it it was Oh my god, it was fantastic. Uh, anyway, on New Genesis, there is a delegation of the Justice League meeting with the Green Lanterns who are meeting with the new gods of New Genesis. And they're trying to find a treaty. Uh, hijinks and ensue, and, uh, especially around Metron. And then you get a lot more of the full plot of the show. I feel like yes. it really comes together and pushes things towards the finish line here so you understand that um uh that's when you learn zod's grandson or son, son. 
yeah. is alive and trying to find a phantom zone projector to get all the kryptonians that are locked away there out of the phantom zone uh and that's where basically the meat of the plot really starts to kick in mm-hmm. uh you f- you find out that he breaks into metron's vault uh he has a time sphere which like he just finds ways to get in and out of time and then like they tell you a bunch of stuff that he's been a part of and things that he's done with the time sphere that like make everything start to make sense and you're just like holy shit you've been ruining this whole thing the entire time um you get mcgann's brother in there you get mantis in there from from uh season three who despises forager etc etc it's it's just insane it is insane um how much goes on in new genesis despite all the forager nonsense and i think we get was that jess cruz in there did we mm, am i thinking something i might be thinking about something else nope i'm thinking about something else we'll talk about that on a future episode but i'm pretty sure she wasn't she wasn't there i don't think so yeah yeah no no she definitely wasn't okay um so that pushes things towards the end with Superboy, who has been discovered by multiple people as being alive and trapped in the Phantom Zone. Um, you see him get Phantom Zone sickness. He gets injured in the Phantom Zone. He loses his mind in the Phantom Zone. Uh, and then he becomes a pawn for General Zod in the Phantom Zone. Yeah. I so mean, you, you can imagine my excitement when the whole season boiled down to Kryptonian bullshit. <laughs> That's all it is, is bullshit. Um, so, you know, you get a whole lot of them trying to invade Earth and a lot of just bone crunching, earth shattering fights. Um, you know, you get a whole bunch of stuff with the team going to the Phantom Zone to fight a bunch of Kryptonians who really aren't powered yet. Uh, so you get Calder and Nightwing, and um, McGann's not part of that. Neither is Gar. Um, no. You get Artemis. Zata- Zatanna was there. Zatanna was there. And Rocket. And Rocket, yes. Um, Ooh, so you it's get another a- one of those characters. I was just like, who are you again when so the season started? Rocket. I, I Remind me if I'm wrong. This is the first time we're seeing Rocket on this show, right? No, like, I don't. No, she's been in the show before. I once like they like started having her again. I'm pretty sure she's been on the show for a while. I I really don't remember Rocket being on the show. Let's was she find last out. season. Uh, she might have been introduced last season, but I thought okay. she was there for a while. Actually, she's introduced. I mean, just they haven't really done enough with her, in my opinion. She dating Guardian? I don't remember anything before the season. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, they do a whole bunch of fighting, um, end up on Earth, uh, and then yeah, they they win the day. Connor comes back, and they finally go off and get married. You know, it's it's a it's a nice neat ending, uh, in my opinion. So Rocket was definitely at least in season three because there's a thumbnail here for from her from episode eight of season oh, three. Don't remember. Um, 
I thought she was in there even before then, but uh, at the very least, she was there last season. Yeah. Last season, uh, I flushed out my memory hole because I hated it. Yeah, I, I don't know. By comparison. Like I said, I literally saw her on screen. I'm like, who were you again? <laughs> and it took me a long while to know who she was. Um, the Phantom Zone was just nuts. And the explanation of how they got there uh, by, by using Phantom Girl, who was a character who's kind of a deep cutty character. There's a lot of there's a lot of Legion of Superheroes. So there's some time travel bullshit in there as well, which is awesome. I love uh, and you're just like, you're like, all right, this there's just it's so chaotic, but it all comes together in a way at the end that just made it work for me. Like, I don't know how you felt about it, but it was well, that's like, what I was saying at the beginning of the section where I love that storytelling where just things are happening. You don't fully understand it. Maybe there's some time travel involved that you you just don't understand anything until you get to that one singular point where all just comes together and then it all just clicks and you're just like, oh, I get that that led to that and that led to that. So that did that. And I love that shit so much. So when we thought Connor had died, I was like, okay, is it because of this, the stain on the wall where it looks like he, he was killed? But it turns out that Zod's kid who gets dropped in the moment after the explosion and disintegrates along the wall. And I was yep. like, oh, my God, that is I, such detailed storytelling. I love that shit so much. Just give you the biggest red herring. And you're just like, oh, man, so good. So good. Because that was like a plot point that was like that. Like once it, he was alive in the Phantom Zone, I was like. All right, well, then what the fuck was that on the wall? And like they could have easily just brushed over that and they were just like, nope, here you go. Explanation. Oh, just God. absolutely cool, man. So satisfying. Uh okay. Any anything that you, you really enjoyed uh come like I know Fardry, you just like, you know, that was your that was your down, that was your down play. Uh, but was there like a block that, that came to you and you were just like, Oh yeah, that's the shit right there? I mean, I okay. think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Zatanna. The paint Zatanna on the magic bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I love magic and stuff. So, like, yeah, it's that section was just the best. <laughs> uh, I actually like the stuff on New Genesis, Forager aside. Uh, like I said, it actually started to get on my nerves. But you're dealing with Green Lanterns and New Gods, specifically Orion and like how he's like flipping out like you know struggling and with being the son of dark side what i love about that is that you start that section on earth uh with rocket who has an autistic son and you see that she's struggling with him and basically how to handle it having an autistic son essentially and so she goes to new genesis and has to deal with orion who has these moments where he's basically flipping out because of mother box dark side shit um but it's rem- reminiscent of like her autistic kid having a, a, a moment and she learns how to be a better parent essentially and i thought that was a nice little touch that they included with that whole arc right there yeah so i was actually going to bring that up so it's like actually really cool for me as a parent right because my son um my oldest son is on an iep um he's brilliant but he he struggles with some emotional difficulties. I don't think he is on the spectrum at all or anything like that, but there's, there's some other stuff going on there and understanding as a parent, how to talk to your kid 
uh, and be a, an advocate for your kid, especially when it comes to school, is really tough. And seeing her learn how to deal with that, despite, you know, having the, the literal weight of worlds on her shoulders was, was massive. And, you know, she realized the missteps that she made. And when she came around on Orion, who are we imagining that he's in some way on the spectrum? Like, like at least something, Maybe I just took it more as like all the apocalyptic technology and stuff yeah. just kind of screwing with his head more than yeah. anything. It could be. It very well could be. But like that that direct thing like hit me real hard as a parent. Like you're just like, oh man, like that's the kind of shit that I deal with all the time when it comes to fighting for my kid or making sure that his concerns get addressed or when he goes at times almost nonverbal and you're just like, Oh, it's really hard to deal with. And like just a little, the little things they did where, you know, they would hug and he would give a pat twice on the hand, basically to say, uh, I love you or it's okay or whatever. Like, I thought that was really cool. Like there's, I'm going to bring that up when we get to the end here of the review, but like, there's, there's some stuff in this season that I was just like all about. Um <laughs> So, um, what do you think about the animation style? Like, this is one that we just kind of stick with all the time with the show and shows like it. Like, where where where, where do you stand? I was fine with it. I'm not really nitpicky when it comes to the animation style. This was basically standard DC affair, at least kind of what they've been doing more or less for the past 10, 15 years at this point. I'm fine with it. I know Sam hates it. Yeah. But I'm fine <laughs> with how it looks and how everything went with the show so yeah i was cool um okay cool 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 what'd you think about doing everything in blocks this season so some of the blocks i loved Mm -hmm. some of the blocks were a little bit slower i think having those blocks i i want to say it made it a little bit better just because like okay, then you got past the slow block and then you got a really like action heavy, like fast paced block. But I almost kind of wish those episodes were interspersed a little bit more. That way it kind of just kept the overall flow of the show going a little bit more. Um, But I know in the end it worked to do that whole thing where the narratives come together into one piece. And I can't argue with that. Like that, it worked very well on that level. Yeah, I feel like it would have lost touch with some of the characters, right? Like... Like I felt McGann's joy and pain in that first block. Like, so it was cool. And then, you know, you feel the struggles that Artemis is going through and trying to reconnect with her sister a little bit. And like, you feel a little more sympathetic towards, towards uh, Cheshire and, and her getting help at the end. Like that feels better. Like if that had been spread across like four other stories and six different episodes, I would have, I would have forgotten about it completely mm-hmm. um the stuff with zatanna like it, i felt like it hit better and then the, like they're still moving the plot forward in the background a little bit by giving you little check-ins with gar and check-ins with mcgann and then eventually interspersing some stuff with superboy being caught and then how his alleged death is affecting all of his friends like i felt like that was that was huge yeah it was definitely better than season three um it 
really lets you focus on these characters. The, it basically said, okay, these are like the six main characters we're going to focus on in this season. And we're just going to do a deep dive into where they are at this point in time and then give you little bits about how they're going to play a role into the overarching story toward the end. And it was a really good storytelling tactic, actually. I agree. I agree. Uh, anything else stick out to you before we start to wrap this up? Just that I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Like going into <laughs> it, I was honestly not looking forward to watching this. Uh, same. I was I wasn't crazy about the first two seasons. Like it wasn't really my thing, but I was fine with it. And then season three was just so boring that I just was not looking forward to this at all. So yeah. I'm just really impressed with how much I ended up liking it. It it's it was season three was bad. But like this, it wasn't boring, it was bad. Um by comparison. Uh, anyway, uh, all right. So as we do here, as we start to wrap up these, these types of projects, we do. Why did you hate it? Why did you love it? Why did you hate it? And say something mean about a project that you really liked. And why did you love it? And say something nice about a project that you really hated. So uh, Jess, why don't you go ahead and go first? And you're probably not going to steal my shit this week. Probably not. Because why did I hate it? I think you could all probably guess. No, tell us. The fucking bugs. <laughs> oh my god can we please get rid of them moving forward they serve no plot point anymore just get rid of them send the one into deep space to go patrolling somewhere and just I don't know throw the other into a volcano I don't care I love it because there was a lot of magic and mysticism like there was a lot of focus on like fate and Zatanna and stuff and I love that shit and then just the overall like narrative structure of it all like I love love that multiple storylines just converging thing um okay so i hated it because like i didn't get enough of uh two characters uh nightwing and Aqu- uh, aquaman i can't believe i just said that out loud uh was called there until it was almost too late and like the atlantis storyline kind of dragged for me a little bit mm-hmm. i was just like you know it was an it ended up being a very interesting story. Um, there's a lot of shell game shit going on there, but like uh, while I was watching, I was like, okay, this is kind of a slog. It's it slowed things down a little bit. Why did I love it? Man, it hit so many different things thematically. Um, you, it, it dealt with love and loss and uh, mental health struggles and uh, you know, people with disabilities learn like parenthood like this season to me is what superhero medium should aspire to we've grown since the time that young justice season one came out and it only makes sense that the characters have two and they've all gotten older but we haven't really got to see them embrace like their their different unique problems that reflect things going on in the world right Mm -hmm. so we got to see the depression of a character like gar we got to see someone who's just trying to people please and overcompensate like calder um you know we got to see people like dick learn how to be in the background a little more you know he's got other stuff he's got to worry about we get to see Artemis work through acceptance. It, there, there's just so much going on there that 
younger characters probably would not have lent themselves towards, whereas young adults did this time around, if that makes sense. Um, so th- that's that's why I loved it. I thought it was was very well very well written and very deep. Oh yeah, and let's not throw the LGBT stuff under under the bus here because there's plenty of it, and those struggles often go hand in hand with some of the other stuff that goes that went on in in this in this season. So before we do scores, there was one thing I remembered toward at the very end of the season <clears throat> that could be a hint as to what they might do with season five. Uh, Canary brings up what I'm assuming is going to be the sanctuary stuff. Yes. Um, do you think that that's something that they will focus on for season five? Like, would that be like the main focus of the season? Or do you think it would just be something that happens kind of in the background? I think it'll be in the background until it's not. Um, remember, for those who um, read comics or have listened to the episode that we did on Heroes in Crisis, go back and listen to that. Uh, that has to do with Wally basically coming back from the dead and inadvertently killing a bunch of heroes seeking help. Um, and it, it changes things for him a lot. So I, th- I feel like that could be very interesting, uh, but I think they're going to take a different route on it. Probably uh, considering what dark side is building off to the, off to the side there <laughs> with Mary Marvel and um, all those other characters that got dispatched, but not killed Zod's wife. <laughs> what the hell like there, there's so much power going to the apocalypse inside something big is going to happen and uh it's going to be ridiculous That's all right assuming, uh, assuming we even get a season five yeah, assuming we get a season five i mean i haven't heard shit about dc animated so it's just like Who all right knows? <laughs> it's gonna happen when it happens uh oh yeah by the way uh, harley quinn is apparently safe for another season oh uh Cool, I forgot about that. Yeah, drop that, drop that uh, late, late in the episode. Sorry, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> All right, overall, overall scores. Let's get into that. Uh, in case you're new to the show, we do it out of five. We do quarter points. So, uh, Jesse, take it away with your score. I give it a solid four out of five. Um, it was a great story in the end. Um, it had a lot of interesting moving parts to it. There was just a few things bugs aside there's just a few things that um a bugged you <laughs> that were a bit slow and just didn't quite work for me um but i still give it a solid four it was i enjoyed it way more than i thought i was going to yeah i, I i'm right there with you a four is good for me um there was a lot of just like i said thematic things that just hit me on a different level that made me feel like these heroes had grown um because I've grown as well <laughs> since that first season. Um, so I felt like a four was really good. Uh, it's far better than that last season, which was, it was, it was booty cheeks. Yeah. So I, I appreciate the work that they did to turn things around and the storytelling, like you said, man, just when it all converged, you were just like, Oh shit. That feels so good. Yeah. Uh, so keep that up. Keep that up. I really want to see if we can get like one of the producers or something like that on the show. Uh, because I feel like that'd be fun. They've done a lot of DC animated stuff. Like, it would be cool. It'd be cool. Anyway, uh, so check our show notes. You get links to all our socials, our T Public stuff. 
Uh, if you if you haven't bought any of our merch, go ahead and buy our merch. It supports the show, baby. Uh, check out Mike's Thick Stack, which should be back to releasing weekly. Now that I've done the Thick Week blowout, there's a ton of stuff coming. I think next week's episode is going to be just big as hell. I think it looked at like 15 issues. Jesus, Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It might be a little delayed getting out, but because <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. Um, yeah, but check out all our stuff. Please, please, twistcape.com, all that stuff. Uh, it'll be a good time for you and a good time for us. Next time we have an interview with a creator not really associated with uh, Marvel or DC, but he's doing some creator-funded, creator-owned stuff. So check that out when That's it That's always got some interesting stuff going on. I mean, there's some big properties that came out of the indie scene over the last like 10, 15 years. So exactly. Who knows? This could be the next big thing. You never know. And we were there early, not first, because <laughs> other friends of ours told us about it first. But get ready, y'all. We're going to talk deep about it. I might even do a special Mike Stick Stack episode on it. You don't even know. So <laughs> until next time, I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. Stay twisted, everyone.